Yesterday there was a Tcheles Yom Yun in Woodmere, and uh, my topic was to speak about why it is that there are so many Gedolim that still don't wear Tcheles. So I, I figured I would share that with you uh, this morning in a sort of abridged version. Now, in order to really understand any topic, it's very important to understand the opposing viewpoint. Obviously, as you know, I do wear Tcheles, and we've discussed why in the past, but uh, it's, it's important to understand why it is that there are people that would not wear the Murex Tcheles. After all, the Rayas do seem overwhelming, and even if not completely overwhelming, as Rav Shechter pointed out yesterday, to look at all the Rayas and say that it's not even a suffix is, uh, it's a bit much. It seems a little ridiculous to think that it's not even a suffix, that it's not even a possibility. It's, uh, if, if you look at the Rayas carefully, it seems overwhelming. So why is it that there are people that would not want to do what seems like a very clear mitzvah da'oraisa. So uh, I think it's, 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 important, uh, it's an important question when people frame it as why are there gedolim that don't wear tcheles? Meaning, why should I do it if gedolim don't do it? That's a, a healthy question to ask. It's a fundamentally good reaction that we should take our guidance from the gedolim, in, especially in matters of religion, in matters of mitzvos. But we should also recognize that the question... And I, and I should point out that specifically with something like Tcheles, probably the three people in the world who know more about the halachos of Tcheles, the background, every agadita about Tcheles, every gemara, every medrash about Tcheles, are probably all not rabbis. They're not gedolim and they're not rabbis. The people who found it and who have been working for 25 years on it are the world's greatest experts on Tcheles. They probably know more than the gedolim do about Tcheles, but that's irrelevant because when it comes to making major halachic decisions, it's, it's not enough to take someone who's an expert in a given area if they don't have this breadth of knowledge and an appreciation of Kalatara Kula that a Gadol Yisrael would have. So it is a fundamentally healthy question. However, it's also a bit of a straw man argument to s- set up that it makes an assumption that Gadolim don't wear it. So then we're going to ask, why do Gadolim not wear it? Is that true that Gadolim don't wear it? Who exactly is a Gadol? I mean, uh, how many people are walking around in this country that are uh, greater Gadolim than, uh, than Rav Shechter Shlita? Uh, how many people are greater Gadolim than Rav Zaman Chami Goldberg? How many, there, there are Gadolim that, that do wear Tchelis. So to just say, make a blank and say, Gadolim don't do it is a little bit of a... Uh, 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 it's 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 not true. Also, um, there are there are probably many gedolim that uh, that wear it and don't talk about it. Um, it was well known that Avbelsky used to not talk about the fact that he wore tchelas for whatever reasons that he had. And there are there are several Hasidic Rebbes that wear tchelas and don't talk about it for whatever reasons that they have. So to just make the assumption that uh, that gedolim don't is um, a questionable assumption. Be that as it may, many Gedolim don't. So the question is, why not? Now in the past, what we've done is, we've gone through these specific Gemaras, how you could argue it this way, and how you could argue it that way. And is this a proof? Is this not a proof? But I think you can, you can look at it much, you could zoom out a little bit, and, and, and look at it in a much more broad perspective. And I think you can take those who do not wear Tcheles, and, and categorize them in three basic categories. And each category has two subcategories. But the three basic categories of people are 
A, those who don't need to research the topic, don't want to research the topic, have no interest in researching the topic, because you could prove to them with all the riots from today until tomorrow, and they're still not going to wear it because of something, because they hold that proof isn't going to help, and you're not allowed to, to, uh, to, to take on this mitzvah, even with all the proof in the world. The second category of people are people who have researched and believe that research should help, but somehow, looking at all the same material that the rest of us are looking at, or all the same Gemaras, come to the good, they fetch out every Gemara not to be talking about the, the Mirak's Tchelas. And, and, and somehow draw the opposite uh, conclusion. I th- and I think there's reasons that they do that. And then there's a third category of people who are at least partially convinced, if not fully convinced, that it is real, that it is genuine, and that uh, the Mirak's Tchelas is, is actually, tchelis, but for other reasons, don't wear it. So let's go through each category. The first category, as we said, is those who don't need to research it because nothing will convince them anyway. So I think the Rosh Berishon in this category is uh, Rav Salvechik Sarkhan Levracha. Rav Salvechik claims that he is not the originator of this category, that it comes from his great-grandfather, the Beis HaLevi. And we know when the Redzina Rebbe uh, discovered his uh, what he thought was the Tcheles, he sent letters to all the Gedal Israel, and they all responded, and the tradition in the Salvechik family, both in the Israeli uh, branch of the Salvechik family and the American branches of the Salvechik family, is that the Beis HaLevi's response was that without a Misora, a mitzvah cannot be brought back. Unless you have Sha'ala Vicha V'yagedcha, you asked your father and you saw that that's what he did and that's what his father did, then you cannot introduce a mitzvah. He says, uh, Rav Salvechik Princess in his yard site, Rosh Hashim Shnei Sugei Mesoros, page Reish Memtas, where he says that Ein Rayos Usvaros Yicholos Lachiach Shum Davar B'mili D'Shaychi L'Mesoros Shoshal V'Yichav Yagedcha All the Rayos in the world is not going to move us a Kihuzeh. It will not make even an iota of impact because you need a Mesorah. That is quite a Chiddush, that you should need a Mesorah, that we don't rely on any form of research and any form of proof that you need a Mesorah to uh, do a mitzvah. But that was Rav Salvechus Chiddush, and he claims it was not his Chiddush, that it was the Beis HaLevi's Chiddush. I say he claims because the Redzina Rebbe, in his Sefer on Tcheles, quotes from someone very close to the Beis HaLevi, who responded on behalf of the Beis HaLevi with a different Taina. It sounds similar, but it's really entirely different. The way the Redzina Rebbe says the Beis HaLevi responded to him was that the Beis HaLevi said, if for all the generations this animal was available to us to draw the dye, and people knew how to draw the dye, and they knew how to apply it, and still we weren't using it throughout all the generations, that's a negative Mesorah. That's a Mesorah that this is not Tcheles. Because if it was, why weren't we using it? Unless you can explain to me, says the Redzina Rebbe's version of the Beis HaLevi, unless you can explain to me why they stopped using it. Was it unavailable? Was the expertise in how to extract the dye lost? Was the expertise in how to apply the dye lost? Unless you could explain to me why people weren't using it, we will view it as a negative Mesorah. But in the Redzina Rebbe's version of the Beis HaLevi, if you can explain that, I'll be the first to sign up, and I would go and I would wear the tcheles. Very different than Rav Salvechik's, because the Mirok's tcheles, we have very good explanations of why it wasn't used, why uh, we lost the expertise, because there is a certain amount of expertise involved in producing the dye, and we understand why it was lost uh, somewhat. 
so uh, according to Rizin Rabbi's version of the Beis HaLevi, Beis HaLevi would be wearing this tchelis. According to Rav Salvechik's version of his own great-grandfather, no way, no how. Without a Mesorah, you can't do it. So that's category 1A, that the first type of person, category 1, of those who won't wear it, no matter how many rayas you bring, is the Salvechik family. 1B, the second group within that category, with no matter how many rayas you bring is irrelevant, are those who subscribe to the comments that the Midrashim have in a couple of places that the Chilazon or the Tchelas was Nignaz. The Medrash Rabbah tells us by Midvar Rabbah, Parsha Shlach, Parsha Yodzayin, that it was Nignaz, the Safri, and Psikta Shinon Dalit says that it's Gonuz Tzadikim La Asilavo. It is hidden away for Tzadikim La Asilavo, and that carries with it the implication that. It's something that cannot be brought back during our during our time. It's specifically for tzaddikim la'asudavo. If that that seems to be what they quote from the Arizal and Shara Kavanos, where the Arizal says that tchelis can only exist when there's a base amigdash, which is very difficult to understand what that means because the Amoraim had tchelis and the Amoraim certainly did not have a base amigdash. And the overwhelming impression of uh, Rishonim is that that should not be taken literally. But there are those who do take it literally. Why do I say the overwhelming impression of Rishonim is not taken literally? Because the riff and the uh, rush discuss halachas of tchelis, but they don't discuss halachas of the Mashiach. They don't discuss things that are halachas of the Beis Hamikdash. So obviously they hold it's not halachas of the Mashiach. The Rambam talks about tchelis like he had it. So obviously he doesn't know you need a Beis Hamikdash to have it. So obviously uh, the Rishonim don't assume this way. But if you're going to be in that camp where you assume that this is something that can only be for Yemos HaMashiach, so all the proofs in the world that it's, that it's the genuine article are not going to help you, it's, it, it, it doesn't help because uh, we can't have it. Mashiach's not here yet. Group number two are those who have researched and have not been convinced of the authenticity. Now, the specific proofs from the Gemara and the Rishonim are too numerous and detailed to go through right now. We've done it, as we've said. But almost every source in the Gemara can be read both ways. Why is it that someone like me, someone like Mari Verabir of Shechter, is so convinced that this is accurate? Because all of the scientific evidence points us in that direction. All of the archaeological digs point us in the direction that this is what they were using. All of the chemistry about the comparisons between Kla'ila and the indigo dye and this dye, it all points us in that direction. So then, and every Gemara fits too. If you can make every Gemara fit, and all the science tells us that this is the right thing, so so it leads you to the natural conclusion that it's got to be it. So there are two reasons why one would still reject, why, why one would still reject it even after having done the research. One reason is some reject science as a determinant at all, that they will not pay attention to the science at all. They're only going to look at it from the sugis in the Gemara. And if you can't see black and white in the Gemara, a picture of the, uh, you know, of, of the Mirak snail, then that's not good enough. It needs to be clear in the Gemara, and science should be a zero factor in determining the Metzias. Uh, this is, seems to be Rav Yashiv's approach, and he said, you know, I don't know about the proofs, this proof, that proof. The Rezina thought he had proofs, none of the proofs were proofs. The... Um, Rav Herzog thought he might have had something that turned out not to be anything. So, uh, an alternate version of that is Rav Asher Weiss. Rav Asher Weiss in his tshuvas, on the, he has several tshuvas in Chelek Bezim and Chesosher, and uh, in his tshuvas on the topic, Rav Asher says that, that he does think science matters in determining a lot of things, DNA evidence and things of that nature, but 
he thinks that there's a distinction to be made between biology on the one hand, let's say, and archaeology on the other hand. Archaeology, he says, is a pseudoscience. It's not a real science. It's hasharos, estimations, guesswork. It's not real. So he's not willing to rely on archaeology at all. Zero. You can find all the digs in the world. It's not that, that that show that there was a dying industry. You can have. You can find whatever you want. Zero. It does absolutely nothing for him because archaeology is a bunch of guesswork. That's uh, so. If you hold that science is nothing, either because the old science in general is nothing, or because you hold that archaeology is is nothing. After all, says Rav the archaeologists will tell you that the world is how many millions of years old, and uh, the Torah Kedosha tells us otherwise. The other uh, subcategory within this second group of those who will do the research and will still say not good enough are those who work with the assumption that if it doesn't fit with every Rishon, we cannot say that it's Tchelet. Meaning we cannot say that a Rishon was wrong about the Chilazon. And that will automatically passel everything. If you're going to hold that it has to fit every Rishon, then you will never have anything. Because it can't be both a fish and a snail. It can't be both black and blue and green. It obviously can never fit every single Rishon. Now, it's hard to understand why it should have to fit every single Rishon, meaning this, this works with the assumption that Rishonim, when they, when they said their Shitos, were saying it based on Ruach HaKodesh, or based on that there's no way that they were actually guessing at what the Chilazon was, that it had to be uh, some, some sort of Ruach HaKodesh in terms of, in terms of what the Chilazon was. And also, some people, they can't... They, how can you argue on a Rishon about how to tie it? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie like the Rambam, but that's against the Ravid. I'm going to tie like the Tulsa, that's against the Rambam. So, y- y- how could you do that? Now, the, the response would be, what do you mean? We do that all the time. We show them argue about things all the time, and we paskin. We paskin against this Rishon, like that Rishon. But for some reason, people get frozen by this. How could we paskin? I don't know how we can't paskin. We always paskin, but I don't know. That's, that's another... So again, category two are people who will research it, but will not be convinced even after the research, even though they think in theory if there were enough proofs in the research they would wear it, but they're not going to be convinced either because they think science is an absolute zero, or archaeology is an absolute zero, or they think that you can't come to any conclusion that's against the Rishon. And then there's a third group of people. The third group of people that will reject the Mirax Tcheles are those who are, are convinced that it's, that it's correct, or at least partially convinced that it's correct, but for what we refer to as timing politium, for political reasons, they can't bring themselves to, uh, to, to do it. In uh, Rav Yitzhak Al-Khanan's letter to the Redziner, he was, uh, he, he, he was the first in this category. Rav Yitzhak Al-Khanan said, I think you're on to something, but I can't wear it because I'm too busy fighting the reformers, fighting the masculine, and, uh, it's, and, and, and if I do something weird now, everyone's going to look at me funny, and it's not, I'm not going to be able to have as much of a hashba, so I can't do it. Rav Shechter was always very bothered by that letter, because so what do you mean? We, we don't, Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't say in the Torah you have to fight the masculine. Kodesh Baruch Hu says in the Torah you have to wear tcheles. So we're going to decide not to do a mitzvah in the Torah because I'm too busy with the melchama that I decided to take upon myself, and I decided that I'm not going to be uh, successful in that. But, but be that as it may, he was the, the first in this group that says, even if it is real, and even if I believe it's real, I can't do it because of political reasons. That group has, in our generation, been expanded. There's a Dayan in Bnei Brak, Rav Menachem Mendel Shafrin, who wrote a, uh, 
wrote a tshuva, and he writes explicitly, he says, The reason that the Rov Gedol Yisrael don't use it, It's not because they take issue with whether it's genuine. Of course it's genuine. Everyone knows it's genuine, he says. But rather, he says, in the last couple of centuries, people have developed, as Gedol Yisrael have developed a, a, a protective shield around Judaism not to change anything because if you change some things then you may be vulnerable to changing those things that ought not be changed and therefore Chachamim are Oker Dovermin Torah B'Shevi the Gedolei Yisrael decided that even though there is a mitzvah daraisa to do this, we are being okay this mitzvah daraisa. We are uprooting this mitzvah daraisa, and we don't and we don't wear the uh, tchelis. So many Gedolim decided uh, not to wear the tchelis. That's what Menachem El Shavin writes. Others are worried about financial constraints on the people. That if someone decides he's going to wear tchelis, if you imagine Rav Yashev when he was alive, would have put on the tchelis. Rumor has it that one of the reasons that he rejected, even though this is not what he writes in the tshuva, rumor as it is that he was nervous that tens of thousands of Haredim who don't have uh, two pennies are going are gonna to be running out to buy hundreds of dollars of tcheles and the, dem- and the demand is going to be so much greater than the supply so can you imagine what that's going to do to the prices and it will, be, uh, it will be extremely difficult for the community to react to it and others are worried about political fallout. Rabbi Reisman, when he talks about it, says that it's, uh, it's you know, he calls it the, the equivalent of a black hat in the Yeshiva Shevelt, in the Dati Lumi world, in certain circles in Eretzal, is Tav Tcheles. That that's their black hat. That's, that's how you affiliate yourself. So there are some people that, that view it on the flip side, that for a Yeshiva Shagai to put on Tcheles is like taking off his black hat. It's like saying that I'm not a yeshiva shagai. I'm part of the Datilumi world. I'm part of the YU world. And they can't do that. They just can't put themselves... That's why uh, Ravelsky, w- when they asked him about Tcheles, he wouldn't say what he does or doesn't do. He just said that you could understand that someone wouldn't want to do such a thing publicly because it shows that he's not part of the yeshiva shavelt. And uh, that's how he explained it. And we know that's what he did. Ravelsky wore Tcheles on his talus katan, but he didn't, want to, uh, he didn't want to publicize it because he felt that that would remove him from the yeshivisha world, and he thought that that, that association was more important um, than, than publicizing this mitzvah. So it's important to realize that the possibility of a mitzvah daraisa is an overwhelming, uh, an overwhelmingly exciting thing. And as we've said many times, um, you know, imagine not having a matzah for Pesach or not having an esrog, and then somebody gives you for the first time in your life the opportunity to do these mitzvah but it's even more because it's every single day a mitzvah and it's something that had been lost for over a thousand years. Really incredible, uh, incredibly exciting time that we live in. And the fact that not everyone wears it, I think it's just a matter of time. I think in uh, another decade or two, uh, you'll, you'll be you'll be hard pressed to find uh, find people who aren't wearing it. Just uh, it's a matter of things, yeah, and that's a good thing that, that things move slowly in uh, in Yiddishkeit. I was just looking around my shul the other day on Shabbos of the. 35 people that daven at our hashkama minion, at our early minion, 35 talisos, uh, 35 adult men, I counted 13 with tcheles. So, okay, because the rabbi wears tcheles, so maybe some people, uh, but still, in 20 years ago, you never would have seen
seen that. 13 out of 35, such a percentage, you never would have seen that. So now, in every shul you go to, there are always a couple of guys that are wearing. It's, it's never, you're never the only one wearing. There's always a couple of people that are, that are, that are wearing kimat every shul. So I think it's a matter of time, just, it's, it's a matter of time till it just uh, becomes more uh, widely makubal because when you look at it, if you look at it carefully, I mean, unless you're really willing to say, I don't believe science means anything in terms of determining a Matthias. I don't believe that a Rishon could ever be wrong about anything, you know, or we could ever possibly answer Rishon about anything. Unless you're willing to say that, there's really, or, you know, you're so, so politically concerned, there's really, there isn't much basis to, uh, to reject it. Um, the, you know, the arguments for are overwhelming. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.